What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 88 of the Default Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Paolo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. And Core Super Bowl 57, wow, is all I can say. Action-packed, back and forth. The Kansas City Chiefs are your 2022-2023 Super Bowl champions thanks to a 38-35 victory over the Philadelphia Eagles and a big second half from Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the rest of the Chiefs team. We asked for a good Super Bowl. I thought we definitely got one core, a lot of fireworks, a lot of back and forth. And I'd say in our lifetime, I don't necessarily know where exactly I would put it, but definitely I think conservatively a top five Super Bowl that we've witnessed for sure. I mean, I think the Super Bowl, the last ones that I like, – recent, I mean, yeah, you could say like Pats, Eagles, Pats, Falcons, but I, I think this game kind of surpasses both of them. I mean, this was a absolutely terrific Super Bowl. Yeah, it definitely was. Like you said, it took a little while maybe. I don't even want to say it took a, while, a little while to get there because we had fireworks right away. And we'll start kind of in the beginning. And the teams went back and forth early. They traded touchdowns on their opening drives. And then you had that big play from A.J. Brown core to make it 14-7. I mean, you got you bring in a guy like A.J. Brown, you expect him to make big plays in big-time spots. And, I mean, that catch that he made on Trent McDuffie was, was big time. Trent McDuffie had pretty good coverage on the play, but A.J. Brown finds the ball. He's able to adjust to it. And then core, I mean, a big turning point you could say you maybe thought in the game was the Nick Bolton fumble six. Jalen Hurts had been so good up until that point. And Jalen Hurts played phenomenal. We'll get into it a little bit. But, I mean, what happened there? That, Jay, I mean, yeah, Jalen Hurts losing the ball. I mean, you look back, I thought the Eagles played overall like a, a great game. And it's just – yeah, that one mistake, the only turnover in the game, I mean, he just he just loses the ball. And, yeah, I mean, Nick Bolton almost had another one, obviously got called back because, what was it, incomplete? or Yeah, yeah incomplete pass. But, yeah, I mean, that one, if you're going to look back at why the Eagles lost this game, obviously their defense got kind of cooked in the fourth and the second half. But, yeah, I mean, that one turnover – once one defensive score is all Kansas City needed, especially when Kansas City, we'll get into that, like was not on the field at all in the first half. A defensive score is definitely going to put you right back in the game, especially like in a tight game where you're getting dominated. When it comes to possession, like you just don't have the ball. Philly is just absolutely dominant on third and fourth down. Like it's actually crazy. Yeah, that 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 score definitely gave Kansas City life to tie the game at that at that moment. Yeah, listen, I was trying to take everybody kind of sequentially through the game. But, yeah, we'll speed it up a little bit in that sense. It looked early that this could be a turning point. You're right. When you look back on it now, too, the fact that Kansas City was able to get a score from their defense, that's all they needed in the second half. Philadelphia was able to recover from that fumble. They were able to score twice with under, like, in the last two minutes and 30 seconds of the half to go up 10 points into the locker room. Core, before this game, the only team that had lost leading at double digits at the half was the Atlanta Falcons in that Super Bowl 51. The Eagles joined that company. That's some bad company. I believe it's like 26-2 and two now the record is when teams leading by double digits at halftime. It's because of the magic of, first I'll even say Andy Reid, then I'll say Patrick Mahomes and what they were able to do offensively in the second half, Core. They had four drives in the second half. All of them resulted in points. Three of them touchdowns, and then that last one being the Harrison Bucker game-winning field goal. I mean, an uh, incredible performance offensively, like I said in the second half. And to be fair, you said the Chiefs, like, didn't just really have the ball in the first half. They did it. Like, they had the ball for seven minutes, and one of them was their touchdown drive. So, I think, like, going into halftime, the Chiefs weren't panicking down 10. 
knowing that, all right, like we just like they haven't really stopped us. Like they had one three and out. Well, they, they had two three and outs. One of them was quick before the half. It was like a two-minute drill type of three and out. The other one, they missed a call on Juju, if you ask me. Then their other two drives were a missed field goal and where they moved the ball really easily and then the touchdown drive to open up the game. So Kansas City moved the ball well really all game. But in the second half, when they kind of got out of their own way a little bit, I mean, like I said, it was a master class in the second half. And Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator of the Eagles, and that Eagles front that was talked about, oh, possibly setting a record for sacks. No sacks on the day. I mean, Kansas City ran for 158 yards on the ground court. Like I said, in the second half, it was just they were able – for a game that Philadelphia controlled so much in the first half, it was a tale of two halves in that sense that Kansas City retook the game over in the second half. And, I mean, we'll talk about some more key turning points. But, yeah, I mean, I'll tip your cap to Andy Reid. It was probably his best coaching performance of his career. Andy Reid obviously getting it done, his offense coming up with something like a lot of trickery or just a lot of, like, plays that caught Philly off guard, clearly. I mean, the Sky Moore touchdown, the Kadarius-Tony touchdown, just a lot of plays that – you know, I mean, he just – he was just better than the Philly D coordinator, the Philly defense, and got it done. And you look in this one, I think a big – like Jalen Hurts played a great game. But at the end of the day, Philly – I mean, Philly kind of wasn't great on on the ground in this one. I mean, like Jalen mm-hmm. Hurts, obviously their leading rusher. I mean, you could tell me like the Chiefs were going to out, outrush the Eagles. I mean, I would take that – all day. I mean, obviously that means like Jalen Hurts is going to have to beat you through the air. And I thought he played really well. It's just not like their, their forte. I mean, at the end they, they needed, yeah, they tied it at 35 and then that, that field goal from Kansas city. But I mean, yeah, the offense, I guess just like, wasn't the same from Philly as it was in the first half. But yeah, I mean, I think Kansas city definitely out rushing them 158 to 115 was huge for them. And I think it led to, I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of beating Philly at what they're best at. So I think if you can do that, even though Mahomes didn't throw for that much, I just think that was huge. That's just the main thing of what Philly does. Despite putting up 35 points, just I think outgaining them at that was was big in, in this victory. Yeah, it definitely was. We said that could potentially be a path to victory that – Philadelphia's run defense was, like, not that great this year. They were, like, bottom 10 in the league in EPA per rush. So that was an avenue where Kansas City saw that they could exploit it. Philadelphia had some light boxes. Philadelphia, like, was begging them to run the ball. And Kansas City said, okay, like, we will stick with it. Even down 10, that's what maybe I was a little nervous with that halftime that Kansas City would abandon the run game in a sense. But they didn't. And for them, it definitely paid off. I think, Core, if we want to talk about another turning point in this game, I think we could possibly point to – in the fourth quarter, the Kadarius Tony, the longest punt return in Super Bowl history. I mean, that was right after Kansas City had taken a 28-27 lead, right? They finally get back on top, and they hold the Eagles. The Eagles go three and out there. Tony takes it all the way back to about the three. Sky Moore runs that same exact play that he's, that Tony scored on just minutes before, and he gets into the end zone, and the Chiefs take an eight-point lead. You'll give it you tip your cap to the Eagles that they were able to come back and respond. But yeah, it was just like, there were a couple plays in this game that we'll even go over a little bit more. We mentioned the fumble potentially early with Bolton being a turning point. And like the Eagles were able to recover from that. And like, to be fair, the Eagles did answer again on the, on the Kadarius Tony return when Scott Moore scores a touchdown, Jalen Hurts goes down the field and scores again. But like, I mean, I was impressed, but again, that was something that 
you go three and out your offense. You got to pump the football. I think that was the Eagles' first punt of the day, too. You have to pump the football and be able to flip the field on Kansas City when your defense couldn't get a stop all hat. I mean, you can't give the Chiefs the ball inside the 10-yard line. That's that was, that was a huge missed opportunity by Philadelphia special teams there. I mean, you could look at this game. I mean, obviously, Patrick Mahomes, like number 15, is great. One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time when it comes to talent. And, I mean, already with, like, accolades. But, I mean, you got to – there was a defensive touch. Like, this game was was kind of – yeah, it was, a, it was a complete three phases type of game. I mean, the, the Chiefs are getting – a scoop and score touchdown to tie the game. And then, I mean, Kadarius Tony, Kadarius Tony, 65 yard punt return to, to set, to set Kansas city up within like at the five yard line. So, I mean, those were two huge plays in this one. I mean, I think Kadarius Tony, if you watched, obviously he wasn't on the field lined up at wide receiver a lot in this one, but I think the way he plays, he, he just like, I don't know. I mean, I think he's good enough to be an every down wide receiver, but I just think he doesn't have to do that to have a major impact on the game because he's just so elusive out there. Like he just makes guys miss just an explosive player. Like I said last week, I thought he was an X factor just because like he has a unique ability that a lot of the current Chiefs like receivers don't don't have. I mean, like Juju had a good game, but he, he just like doesn't bring what Tony brings. And obviously in this one. Scores a touchdown and has a 65-yard punt return to where he honestly makes a great play. Like, did you see that when he, like, cut back? Like, his knee was, like, in such an awkward position. But, I mean, he's just – I guess the guy is just – He's so, like, wiry, man. Like, he's yeah. just – he's very elusive. I said this, of course. I've watched him so close with the Giants and obviously even in Florida, too. I mean, he just moves so much different than a lot of other receivers and just a lot of other players in general in the NFL that it would be special when you get him into Kansas City. It definitely seemed like he never got his full footing in Kansas City, definitely dealt with a bunch of injuries. But, yeah, you mentioned him as a potential X factor. I said somebody out of the Kansas City receiving core would step up. I also might have mentioned Marquez Valdez-Scantling in that sentence. MVS didn't record a single catch, so I'll, I'll say that I mentioned Tony as well. But, yeah, Nick Bolton, too, was one of our X factors. I will throw that out there. He, I thought he was flawless all game on the defensive side of the ball. But, Core, we'll finally get to that last really third down that was, quote-unquote, you could say the play of the game that a lot of people have complained about, the James Bradbury holding penalty on Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, Juju Smith-Schuster is running a whip route, and then he almost, like, looks like he's going to turn it up the field. It's almost like a whip and go. If I, like, I don't know. Like, maybe it was, like, he second routed it or something. But – Bradbury definitely holds him, like, initially, if you ask me. Like, when he's breaking out from his whip, it, it's a, a blatant hold. Then maybe he gets a little bit of a hand on him, like, as he turns vertical and stuff. That maybe like, could be a no call. But there was a flag thrown. Bradbury admits to being a flag thrown. What ends up happening? The Chiefs smartly don't score. Jarek McKinnon goes down at about the three-yard line. The Chiefs take it down to about four sec eight seconds. Bucker kicks the game-winning field goal. Eagles fell a Hail Mary, and that's it. The Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champion. But back to the penalty, like, that really ultimately kind of decided the game. I, I'm i a little upset that people are so, like, oh, the refs blew this game and all oh, this sort of – James Bradbury got out there and said, look, like, I owned it. Like, it was 100% a penalty. And, like, I, I just don't understand how people don't think it's a – like, I think it's clear cut it was a penalty. Like, don't get me wrong. Maybe I'll be a little bit biased because – I did not want Philadelphia to win, but I think it's pretty obvious that that was a penalty, whether that there's two minutes left in the first half, whether there's oh. 30 seconds left in the game. That is a holding penalty. That should be an automatic first down, and that's what was called. I think the refs 100% got it right. And I think if it was like 
conversely, if the refs didn't like call that as a holding penalty, like I think that the Chiefs fans should be even more mad than right now. Maybe some Eagles fans are. Like I, I don't think the refs decided the game. I think that was completely the right call there. I think the narrative in sports, even like basketball, give an example. Like people act. I mean, I could understand. Maybe if it's like a little ticky tack. Like don't call it. Don't get, okay, before you start, yeah. Don't get like okay. He didn't annihilate him. Like yeah, and it wasn't like you know what I mean. Like he didn't kind of like in drag him to the ground, so it was a clear, clear and obvious thing. Oh yeah, but like still, like take it, yeah. No, I wasn't gonna say. I was just gonna say like people kind of act like the narrative is. I mean, like at the end of the game, just just let them play. Like football, basketball, like don't call fouls, don't call penalties. But I think I don't love that. I mean, I'm seeing things on like even this guy LeBron, who I guess thinks like he, I don't know, like just an NFL analyst. He's like he's saying like. I don't like how the Super Bowl is decided off that. Like, yeah, then James Bradbury shouldn't be holding. I think also I heard someone say like the ball wasn't really catchable, but it wasn't a pass interference call. It was a, it was a holding call. I mean, obviously it was a clear, clear wrap on like, like his waist area. Like obviously he got he hooked them a little bit. Like if if that's in the second quarter, it's definitely getting called. So if it's in the second quarter, I mean, fourth quarter is still the game despite it being the last. I don't know, two minutes of the Super Bowl. Like, it still has to be called. So, I mean, it wasn't, like, obviously, like, he dragged him to the ground, but it also wasn't, like, a half-second contact where he really didn't get him. Like, he clearly held and slowed down Juju for, like, a little. Like, it wasn't major, but I, I agree with the call. And at the end of the day, I mean, James Bradbury said he held. And if you're going to – if fans or coaches or – People are, are going to be mad at the call. I mean, at the end of the day, just just don't – it's simple. Just don't hold like that, and the refs aren't going to make call. Like, I don't like people saying, like, ah, it's the script when you're giving the ref a chance to make a call when he clearly sees it. So I think it was the right call. It's just more of the way that it's just unfortunate that that's kind of how the Super Bowl ended. But it was definitely the right call, in my opinion. For sure. Nobody wants to, I guess, see a great game like that be decided – by the reps in the sense. So I, I do understand where people's frustration is coming from there. But at the same time, like, I don't know, just like a little upset with how um with how certain people are like kind of portraying that. You know what I mean? Like it's just like that that, that is just bothering me a little bit. So with that core, Patrick Mahomes gets his second Super Bowl MVP as we've talked about this game. We haven't really mentioned his name a whole ton. I mean 182 yards in the air, three touchdowns, six carries for 44 yards, that big scramble. I believe on that ensuing game-winning field goal drive will be a big-time play of his. Like I said, he was just nailed in the second half. I mean, that was all game, but in the second half, when the Chiefs really needed a score coming out of half, he was awesome on that drive. Isaiah Pacheco, as well as running mate in the backfield, ran for 76 yards and got in to the end zone for a touchdown. I mean, with the Chiefs, it, it was crazy. Almost, we said, like, to see them being an underdog in a game, you can never count this team out. Like, they're just – they're always right in it. Um their offensive line, like you said, like you said that it was kind of like a complete victory. Their defense was all right, if you ask me. I think if their defense didn't get like that fumble six, that kind of was a gimme from Hertz. Like their defense, like uh, their defense's performance would have been pretty ugly. But I think their defense was like, eh, you know what I mean? Like they didn't play great, but like they did get them seven points. And like at the end of the day, they won. But I mean, their offense was was now, like I said, I mean, their offensive line not to give up a sack all game on top of being able to dominate on the ground was really impressive, and yeah, I mean, 
for a team that now has won two Super Bowls in four years, and you look at their situation next year, like their cap space, they could have a ton of money freed up if they restructure Mahomes' contract. If they move on from Frank Clark, that's like another 20 plus million dollars. This is a team that has a ton of guys on rookie contracts contributing and that will still be contributing next year. So, I mean, core, I don't want to like start of a dynasty talk, obviously is going to like, you could say that they're in the middle of a dynasty right now, yeah. but I mean, now that they finally got like another championship, I, th- I think once a team, like, you know what I mean? If you went back to back rings, I think you could start talking dynasty, but I think like two and four years, I think, you know what I mean? I think that's fair then again to resume dynasty talks. Yeah, I mean, what is it there? Third, third Super Bowl. I mean, five four years, yep. championship games. I think I don't know. I wouldn't call it a dynasty yet. If they can get another one, yeah, I'll, I'll give it that. But I mean, yeah, I mean the Chiefs. It's crazy. I mean, as long as they have Patrick Mahomes, they're they're. I don't even like. Like it doesn't matter on both sides, honestly. I mean, the offensive line obviously. Is is really good, not allowing a sack to a top defense to a top Philly defensive line and pass rush. I mean, I think in this one to me, I mean Patrick Mahomes. I mean, not Jalen Hurts. Obviously, had a lot of time to throw. I mean, that Eagles O line is sick, and it was clear. I think I'm I'm in the secondary. I mean, they. I mean, obviously, they have some young guys like Trent McDuffie. Uh, I mean, Legarius need. That was is it Legarius or Ladarius? I mean, he he's pretty good. It's just I'd say like the weakest part for for the Chiefs definitely that secondary. But I, I think they have as good a chance. I mean, we can get into that after. Like I put the Eagles maybe since they lost just because it's hard to win back to back is like to me slight favorites to win the Super Bowl. But I mean the Chiefs. I mean yeah, as long as Patrick Mahomes is on the team, he's locked up. Like yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this turned into a dynasty i'd say like in the next five years do i think the chiefs are going to get another super bowl yeah i do i just don't know if they'll be able to, like string together multiple in a row because they're not they're a good team but they're clearly not like that <clears throat> super dominant type team in my opinion like they're winning a lot of games obviously a lot of them in the like they're coming close close games like they're not just blowing teams out where it's like i'm convinced mm-hmm. they're gonna just like roll off two, three in a row. Like, these games are close. There are teams close to them. It's just Patrick Mahomes, obviously, is a winner. And they this game, they just made plays when they were needed. But, yeah, I think the next five years, the Chiefs definitely get another Super Bowl for sure. Yeah, I would even go down with five. I would I would push it down to the next three. I think Kansas City will be back. And like I said, just because of how, like, their cap forecast, like, and it just, again, it just seems like this is just, there's such, like, a championship culture around this team. Like, they didn't panic at all down 10 points instead they went into the locker room and they believed in themselves and they devised like i said their second half offensively was just an absolute clinic it really was crazy i mean we haven't even mentioned too like people thought oh like travis kelsey does this week in and week out like maybe the eagles will play no he's still gonna get his of course like don't worry travis kelsey six for 81 and a touchdown juju stepped up big as well in the second half we mentioned mbs didn't do much mbs was last week now Juju steps into this week. So, yeah, just a lot of key contributors all over the field from Kansas City. And, like I said, it was definitely a team effort. I mean, if you would have asked us, too, that Kansas City would put up 38 points on Mahomes, like how many yards would Mahomes throw for? I think we each would have said at least 325. Yep. Like, to throw for 182 yards in a, and score 38 points, that's 
a kind of a testament, if you ask me, to how well the rest of Kansas City played, either A, setting Mahomes up in really good field position, or B, running the football really, really well. So for Kansas City, like you said, I mean, just an, an awesome finish on a really good year, and a year that they traded away Tyreek Hill, and a year that people picked maybe the Broncos or the Chargers to win the AFC West, maybe two of them on this podcast right here. Um, that just, just You can never count this team out. Core. We'll go over to the other sideline to the Philadelphia Eagles because that's to be gut-wrenching for them. I mean, they dominated their way all year. But I think a lot of people might have wanted to say, oh, if the Eagles lost this week, then it would be all because they played a weak schedule and all because Hurts isn't ready. Let me tell you something, Court. Jalen Hurts arguably had one of the best quarterback performances in Super Bowl history, I'll even say, completely out there. If not for that fumble, I think, like, you could argue with anybody else. Of course, it, it's a loss, so you can't, like, say it was the best, of course. You know what I'm trying to say there? Like, but 304 yards in the air and a touchdown, another 70 on the ground with three touchdowns. He made some big-time throws. He had the A.J. Brown touchdown, the Devonta Smith long pass down to, like, the three-yard line. Then he had that throw to Goddard on, like, third and 14, which was big in the third quarter. I mean, people who had their doubts about this guy as a thrower – he completely put them to bed again. He's due for an extension in the offseason core. I mean, $50 million a year, I think, isn't that crazy to think. Like, I, with all the other quarterback contracts and seeing guys like Russell Wilson getting almost $50 million, Deshaun Watson as well, Hurts is playing himself right into that level. And, I mean, it's crazy to think that Jalen Hurts this offseason could sign a contract for more money than Lamar Jackson per year. And I, I, if you ask me, who would I pay more? Core, I think it's really close. I know Hertz has such an awesome cast around him, but I mean, the progression that he continues to get better. And again, on the biggest stage, he did not blink at all. I mean, people are going to look back at that fumble. I mean, the ball just completely came out. It just slipped. I mean, they put a lot of his plate in the run game too. They didn't run the ball well. With like Sanders didn't run it well. Gainwell didn't run it well. But I mean, that that's like one of my biggest takeaways that I mean hurts after this performance. Maybe it's a little bit of recency bias here, but I don't know what, like after today how you could argue him outside of a top five quarterback in the NFL. Oh, I 100% agree. I think Jalen Hurts. I mean, yeah, I think if there were any questions about Jalen Hurts, I mean, I think we knew after this season he was going to be like the franchise quarterback for the Eagles. I mean, he definitely proved that. I mean, I think Jalen Hurts, I know you're a Giants fan. I, I As, like, an outsider, I just think Jalen Hurts, like, really – how could you, like – I think he's just an easy guy to root for. I mean, obviously – He is. Even as a Giants fan, he's an easy guy to root for. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in college, obviously, we know he got benched for Tua and then came back for Tua and won and then went to Oklahoma. I mean, he's just a very quiet, humble guy. He goes about his business and just puts in the work and constantly shows progression. I mean, in this game – I mean, yeah, he threw for over 300 through the air, made some great throws. I mean, had a great touchdown to A.J. Brown. Devontae Smith, honestly, I thought was going to have a touchdown. But, I mean, obviously, the QB sneak, I don't know. Who is Who do you give – I mean, obviously, it's got to be some of Hurts. The guy squats like 600 pounds. I mean, okay, can, can we talk about this too? Do yeah. you think that they're going to like possibly outlaw like the sneak oh, kind of like that? that? Like I'm in. Like I, I, I forgot exactly who exactly presented this idea. So I don't want to say his exact idea and stuff like that. But it definitely, 
it definitely is interesting to think about because this thing is ridiculous. Like, first of all, I don't get why. Like, they've been doing this really all year. I don't know why team didn't steal it in the middle of the year. This is the most effective thing that I've ever seen. It's, it's a rugby scrum. That's literally what it is. And push your quarterback forward. It's crazy effective. I don't know how like safe it is really in there. There's a lot of meat in those trenches over there. But, I mean – that's something that I'm sure that I, I doubt. Like I don't know how they will fix it and stuff. Maybe they'll have a law, like a rule on how. Like I don't know if you like you have to be like a yard behind the quarterback or something, or like you can't. I don't. I don't know what what it'll do. But I don't know. But like I mean, what they run it four times in this game. They ran it like three or four times in this game, and then on top of it, one time Kansas City like jumped off sides when they were going to run it, and then one time like Chris, Chris Jones, Jones tried to go over the pile to get him, <laughs> and it didn't matter. It's just it's 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 the most unstoppable play I've ever seen. It's like in Madden, like you just know the play is going to happen, and you know you're going to get the blocks every time. So you just continue to run it. It's it's crazy how good it is. You thought Jacoby Brissett was the QB sneak guru? No, it's Jalen Hurts and this rugby setup that they have cooking in Philadelphia. I mean. Credit to Sirianni because I guess he's like or Stetchy in the offensive coordinator there. Whoever whoever came up with it, definitely. I mean, great great move by them. But yeah, I mean that just right. is one of the many things that Hurts did unbelievably unbelievably well in this game. It's a shame though, core that for an Eagles defense that was the best in the league this year in almost every category, either them or the Niners, that in the second half, twenty four points. I guess I didn't get one stop. That Hurts uh, they kind of left Hurts out to dry for a team like I said that got. A ton of pressure all year that did a good job. It, they just they didn't do really much of anything. I mean, yeah, I mean, you could think of it like all year the defense has been great, and then in this one they really didn't show. I wouldn't say they didn't show up. I, I'd give I, I would tip my cap to that Chiefs O line. They played really well, and then you know on the outside, honestly, I couldn't really note. I mean, Mahomes only throws for 182, so I don't think it was really on the secondary that much. Obviously, the holding call happened. But you could think there's been games. I mean, if you – I'm sorry to cut – like, I just think that it was – they just were like – they wouldn't let Kansas City beat them. Yeah, I wonder what Kansas City's longest play of the day was offensively because there was nothing crazy long. Right, their longest pass play was 22 was yards. Like they, yes, it was the Kelsey. Yeah, so, like, they weren't letting Kansas City beat them deep, which is completely understandable. But at the same time, it was almost like they just – they were rushing four. They were sitting back in zone. And they were gonna let Patrick Mahomes pick them apart underneath, or or let them run the ball into light boxes, where it's just like almost like you gotta change. Like, I mean, we were talking that maybe the Eagles would follow the Bucks blueprint on how to win and stuff like that. And what happened in that game? Mahomes was running for his dear life. Now, granted, the Chiefs' offensive of line is a lot better now, but I I don't know. Like, it just it's a real un it sits uneasy with me, especially if I was an Eagles fan that we didn't really ever ever have Mahomes under any sorts of pressure in this game. I mean, maybe once, like, he got, like, they tried to, I think it was, like, right before the field goal. He got hit as he threw, like, and, they, and like, he tried to throw, like, a little, like, screen to, uh, I don't remember exactly who it was, too. But besides the point, like, just, just not enough pressure, really, for Philadelphia, for a defense that has been so good and just, just a little upsetting. But Philadelphia core, I'm sure, is going to be back, obviously. Would you say right now, I mean, they're probably losing Shane Stetchian. Their offensive coordinator, he's been hired by the Indianapolis Colts. We'll talk about him a little later. Jonathan Gannon, their defensive coordinator, is a finalist for the Arizona Cardinals head coaching job. Him and, him and Lou Anarumo. They have a couple key free agents here. I'll read a couple of the names off. Fletcher Cox, 
Jerron Hargrave. Hargrave probably won't be back because he's going to cost too much money. Brandon Graham, Miles Sanders, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Kelsey, I'm sure if he wants to keep playing, he'll be back in Philadelphia. They have to pay Hurts. They have, they're going to have a little bit of cap space after some restructures. But even with that core, they had a lot of young players this year that didn't really play a ton. Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean, two picks in the first round. I mean, we mentioned the Chiefs potentially having a dynasty brewing with them being maybe favorites to repeat. You, are you putting Philadelphia ahead of Kansas City and everybody else, or are you still saying that it's Kansas City first and then Philadelphia? I'm still going to – honestly, like I know they lost. I mean, obviously there are some some free agents coming up, like Jason Kelsey, Brad Berry, I mean, Fletcher Cox is old, Robert Quinn. Like they got guys, obviously, but uh, – I think they have guys like I just I mean obviously Miles Sanders too. I don't know. I still I I would put I would put Philly as the the favorites just because they have a lot of depth on the defensive side of the ball obviously to to come in and I'm gonna say I don't expect like Jason Kelsey to go anywhere or like I don't know maybe Fletcher Cox like I don't I don't know I just definitely don't think Jason Kelsey is gonna go anywhere for sure. I I put the Eagles I think a team who the expectations weren't as high as the Chiefs for them to get here. I think guy has to be a high confidence booster. And I mean, Jalen Hurts to me just seems like a guy who kind of has that Mamba mentality in him, honestly. I mean, he's just like a very quiet guy who just seems ultra competitive. I mean, he just like puts like he lets his actions and and play do the talking, it seems. So I, I expect Philly to get back, honestly. Like I would put them as the favorites to win. I think I saw the odds right now are Kansas City first. I think Buffalo second, Philly third. But I don't know. I think Philly for a team who people like I see obviously like counts are like saying all these things like who they beat all year, like easy schedules. They beat a guy with no quarterback. Like they really should have I mean I wouldn't say like should have won this game, but easily we're we're up in the first half and it just took a great Chiefs effort in second to, to win. So I think this Eagles team still is like going to be a top team. And I think they are the favorites to win uh, the Super Bowl next year. I mean, yeah, you could say that they like should have won the game. And we could say how well the Chiefs played offensively and they were flawless in the second half. And they still only won by three points. Like we've praised Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and how great they were. They won by three points. That's how good the Eagles played. And like, even if you want to look back even more, I mean, they were flawless. They were. 11 for 18 on third down in Philadelphia, two for two on fourth down, dominated time of possession, outgained Kansas City. And even if you want to look back more, the third and six that Hurts fumbles on, there was a false start that it was originally third and one on the right guard. So what if that false start doesn't happen, right? Then if you don't have the bad punt, who knows and stuff. They were just like, they, they were extremely, extremely close to winning this Super Bowl. I don't know if I, I think I, I I'm in agreement with you in the sense that I don't like to pick a repeat champion. I said this last week with the Rams too, that it's like as good as you are and stuff like that. It's just that, I don't know. It's just one of like, I don't, I don't know. I, I just don't like, the, I don't like it. So I think it's fair to say the Eagles are the favorite. I do think that their schedule is going to get a lot harder now. They're going to play a first place schedule this year where last year they had like a second place schedule and the NFC East isn't getting the cakewalk of the AFC South that they got. So they're going to have a lot harder of a schedule this season. I think they like play Kansas City this year as it is coming up as well. Buffalo, I think, could de- I, I think it makes sense that all three of those are very close, similar in odds, especially with how the Eagles try to replace like their coordinators. 
and maybe a little bit of uncertainty in their free agency. But of course, I think they should be the favorites in the NFC by a pretty sizable gap. As much as I like the San Francisco 49ers, and I believe in Trey Lance coming back, I think it's definitely the Eagles on one step, the Niners maybe a half a step below, and then right now before the offseason, a full step before between everybody else. So I think I think that's definitely fair to say. I think the Eagles' window is just opening. They understood that this year, that if they had a really good year, potentially they could be walking into it. And, yeah, let's see what Jalen Hurts can build off of. Because, like we said, he's gotten significantly better from his strides from 2021 to 2022 were insane. I mean, runner-up as an MVP this year. But if he's able to make any sort of – like, if he's able to make another jump core, I mean, we're talking about a guy who could potentially be a top three quarterback now in the NFL next year. And like I said, it would take it, it would take a lot to get there. But, again, look how much better he's gotten in the last calendar year that – I'm not going to put it against him. That guy's really good in between the ears. So with that core, that wraps up Super Bowl 57 coverage. And we'll talk a little bit about some of the other league news. First, we'll talk about the NFL Honors Corps. We did not mention Patrick Mahomes getting his second league MVP. He breaks the curse. I believe it was since Kurt Warner that no quarterback had – like no player had won the MVP and then won the Super Bowl. Like it was like almost the curse in the same year. So good for Patrick Mahomes to get off that 5,200 yards on the season, 41 touchdowns. I'm sure he loved his league MVP. I'm sure he likes his Super Bowl ring and his Super Bowl MVP a little bit more than that. No surprises there. Like you said, Hertz is the runner up. Good for Hertz to be recognized. Only played 15 games. Makes you wonder that maybe if Hertz doesn't get hurt, they end up like he ends up winning the whole thing. Who knows? Offensive and defensive player of the year is Justin Jefferson and Nick Bosa. The Young Guns Corps are starting to really run this league. Both of them well-deserved. Bosa led the league with 18 and a half sacks. I know Justin Jefferson's your guy, too. He's in for a monster extension. Core, and then a couple Jets here. The Jets sweep the rookies of the year. I mean, not really too, too surprising. I mean, Sauce Gardner was kind of a lock for defensive player of the year. Garrett Wilson was a slight favorite. But look at you guys. Two top 10 picks in last year's draft. Joe Douglas turns them into both rookies of the year. I mean, you had to be a little bit excited. That's a good thing to have for a 7-10 and 10 team with a little bit of promise now. I mean, hey, the roster is good. Just need to get, just need to get a quarterback who, could, uh, who can go out there and just be a decent starting quarterback. But, yeah, the roster is looking good. I mean, we got Brees Hall coming back too. I mean, mm-hmm. last, year, last year Joe Douglas had such a great draft. I mean, obviously – those two guys, Paul, I mean, Jermaine Johnson, showed some flashes this year. I mean, just just had a really good draft. But, yeah, we, the Jets – the Jets. I think the Jets' future is pretty bright. But, you know, we could, we could talk about everyone else. Don't got to – since I'm a Jets family, we don't got to, like, fully showcase this to the Jets. But, yeah, definitely was uh, was happy to see that. Yeah, hey, we might even talk about a quarterback in a little bit too who might be the Jets under like might be under center for the Jets come 2023. But yeah, I mean Joe Douglas in a year where he had, I believe, like four picks it was in like the top 40 because of the Jamal Adams trade, definitely was expected to have a really good draft class. And I mean, we could be looking back at that class because again, Brees Hall was looking well on his way to a rookie offensive rookie of the year before he tore his ACL. I believe that was in week six against the Denver Broncos. Geno Smith, a former Jet, wins comeback player of the year. Brian Dable wins coach of the year, which is awesome for me, Core. The Big Apple definitely kind of cleaned up a little bit at the NFL Honors Core. Definitely a great sight to see Dable 9-7-1 in his first season as head coach of the New York Giants. Got them a playoff win over the Minnesota Vikings. Core, 
Was there any guy that you thought off the top of your head, any of these awards now, I've kind of like sped through the offensive defensive player of the year that you thought maybe, maybe didn't get recognized enough. I don't want to call them snubs because saying somebody's a snub means that like one of these guys wasn't deserving. I think all of these players that we have named slash coach were very deserving, but was there somebody that you wish got recognized at NFL honors for such a great season that wasn't? I mean, not that he didn't win, but I don't know. I mean, Micah Parsons, I thought, you know, he did only have 13 and a half sacks, which is was still good. But, I mean, you look at, like, Micah Parsons, he's clearly still a game wrecker out there. Like, you need, obviously, to pay a lot of attention to Mike Parsons. So, I, I think him not getting one vote for Defensive Player of the Year, I mean, I – Well, I, one I, first place vote. One first place vote. But, yes, yes I, I 100% yeah. agreed. Yeah, I, I'm just surprised about – about that, I mean, everything else, I mean, Josh Allen getting maybe one vote for MVP. I love Josh Allen, but I think, I mean, I guess some guy, some, someone else had to get a vote, even though, I mean, it could have been two guys just getting on the first place. I think it honestly was between Hertz and Hertz and, and Mahomes, mostly Mahomes, obviously, but like, honestly, one vote. Not gonna like be like he didn't deserve that, but I'd say mostly yeah, just Michael Parsons not getting any any love and getting any first place votes. Yeah, I agree with you. That I think Michael Parsons not getting a first place vote was definitely a little bit crazy. Corey, we threw out a little bit of a wild card here in the outline. We talked about a little bit pre-show here. I'll start first. A potential award that you would like to see added. Now, interesting. I believe this year they just implemented it. I don't know if it's called the Jim Brown Award or the Jim Brown Title. It goes to the league leading rusher. So, like, Josh Jacobs is the first recipient of it. So, that that's good. NFL getting a little innovative. And now, listen, I don't want 100 awards at the NFL honors. Core, I would love for a little bit of special teams love. Like, yeah, can man, we get that going think... or something like that? Low key, I was going to – I was honestly thinking that too. I mean, obviously in college you got the Lou Groza Award. I mean, could show a little bit of love to some, uh, some kickers or, I mean, honestly, like, returners too, just like – Hey, why? Hey, hey, hey! Give the gunners, give the gunners some love. Give the yeah, gunners no. some love. I'm gonna say that. Yeah. Hey, you got an offensive player of the year. Got a defensive player of the year. Why can't we throw in a special teams player of the year? Third phase of the game. It could be a returner, a gunner, a guy in kickoff. Like it could be any of them. So I don't think they'll include it. But I mean, you look at it. Special teams. Kadarius Coney, 65 yard punt return. I mean, it set him up for a touchdown. It is. It still is like a phase of the game. So, I I'd like to see a little bit of love for. Uh, I mean, yeah. Even when you give out first team All NFL, you got a special team section. So, why not show some love for for special teams player of the year? I wonder what the odds would be on that. Like, what do you think would be like the preseason? You think like Tucker's preseason favorite for that? Yeah, probably. Unless like you had like a crate, like if Hester was in his prime, Hester would yeah. have been like the preseason favorite. Like Cordero Patterson. Maybe a couple uh, years back, like you know what I mean. Um, what's his name too? The guy on the Patriots, Marcus Jones. I yeah. mean, he was a ridiculous return man in college as well, and he returned the pump this year against the Jets. He would probably be up there. But yeah, that would be interesting. And oh, do you know how annoying that could be though? Sometimes if you'd have to like pick between like a kicker who was like thirty-one for thirty-two, like on field goals, versus like a guy who had like three return touchdowns, it'd be tough. Yeah, it would be tough. It would, it would be tough. It would put voters in the bind. Another thing, Corey. Can we get, like, lineman of the year or something? Like, I know they give out all pros and stuff like that, but I think that would be pretty cool, and I think that would be some nice love for the people. I agree. They, some people would maybe appreciate that. One award that I didn't mention, and I 100% uh, 
uh, apologize for that. Dak Prescott did win Walter Payton Man of the Year. Was it all always an awesome award to see those guys? One representative from each team is nominated. Those guys give back to the community for what they do. So to Dak Prescott, tip your cap off to him. Unbelievable player on the field. Great man off the field. Core. With that being said, we'll move on to kind of what's next. First, we'll mention Shane Stetchian. I believe I've been saying his name right this whole time. Former. Offensive coordinator with the Chargers, then gets hired by Nick Sirianni with the Eagles, goes over to Indianapolis to be the head coach there. Now, Cork, follow me here. Frank Reich, former Eagles offensive coordinator, goes to Indianapolis to be the head coach there, right? Nick Sirianni, former Colts offensive coordinator, goes to the Eagles to be the head coach there. Now, Stane Stetsian, former Eagles offensive coordinator, going to be the Colts head coach there. I don't know what's up with that pattern, but it is prevalent. I think, look, Clearly, the Eagles offense has been really good the past two years, especially under Sirianni. I'm sure Stetchian has had good input with that, working with Hurts and allowing him to progress. I think that for an Indianapolis team that it looks like they're going to bring in one of the top rookie quarterbacks, whether it be Bryce Young, whether it be C.J. Stroud, he's a great man to work with him. The Colts, a very disappointing year this year for a team that had playoff aspirations in the preseason, but hopefully it's a quick turnaround, and hopefully Stetchian can have the impact similar to Sirianni's had on Philadelphia. So for the Colts, hopefully a long uh, and a lot really of coaches they interviewed. I think like 13 something, like 13 plus coaches they interviewed there. So hopefully they were able to get it right. Mm -hmm. I think that, I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at the key trend, obviously. So, I mean, obviously just like these these teams, they just have a, a pretty good relationship, it seems, with each other. I mean, obviously – this guy's working under Sirianni now, has a successful season, goes back to Indi Indianapolis. And then Frank Reich, obviously, kind of similar as this. So and maybe these, these teams just form pretty good relationships and just like they just, I don't know, they, they end up working out. But hopefully it works out. I mean, Colts, you got to know, I mean, you got to just like think like they're done, obviously, going with these journeymen quarterbacks who were like think they still have a little bit left in the tank they're definitely going to go young so i mean obviously it's going to be a rebuild and hopefully this guy could could at least steer them in the right direction yeah the colts and the eagles they have weekly sit down dinners together that's how good these franchises apparently are of friends and they're exchanging guys well, just, i just think it's funny again a lot of the exchange even carson wentz if you want to throw in there a quarterback going back and forth like i just think it's funny that all the uh exchanges that these two teams have had in the past couple of years. But yeah, we'll see what happens with that. The only head coaching vacancy that lies out there now is the Arizona Cardinals. And like we said, it's between two defensive-minded head coaches, Lou Anarumo, the Bengals defensive coordinator, and Jonathan Gannon, the Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator. I'm sure that will be decided within the next week. With that being said, Cor, what's next? We have the NFL Combine in two weeks. Free agency opens a couple weeks after that. But before that, Cor, we're going to get a little bit of a pre- like a little bit of a tease right now into free agency because Derek Carr is going to be released by the Las Vegas Raiders. His contract becomes fully guaranteed, I believe, on Wednesday. So he said that he's not going to let the Raiders trade him. They don't. He doesn't want his new team to have to give up capital to get him. I think that's a good move by Carr, and especially like not really doing the Raiders any favors, but like, look, the Raiders like kind of didn't treat him great at the end of their tenure. So I don't blame him for necessarily doing that. So with that being said, since Carr's being released. He doesn't have to wait for the new year to start. He can be signed at any time. And there will definitely be bidders out there for Carr. Nine years in Vegas court, 
four-time Pro Bowler in 2016. That was his best year. He finished third in the MVP voting. His big thing for will be that he's only played in one playoff game. Got the Raiders there twice because in 2016 he ended up getting hurt late in the season. But his only playoff game was last year in Cincinnati, which is crazy to think that for the guy who's been pretty good at the quarterback position, not like in that great tier, but in the pretty good tier. Um, do you blame the Raiders for like not sticking with him? I mean, I, I just think that like with Carr, they're kind of like their ceiling has been established and they want to go higher. And I honestly think it's like – I don't necessarily know if their quarterback next year is going to be better than Derek Carr at his best, but I think they understand where Derek Carr can take them, and for them, maybe that's not good enough, so they want to go in another direction, and I, I honestly can't blame them for that line of thinking. I think after getting Devontae Adams this year, I know Devontae Adams wanted to play with Derek Carr, and he's probably one of the reasons why he got traded here, but I mean, this despite like a tough division that – I mean, honestly, it wasn't as tough as we as we thought it was going to be. Like, we thought the Broncos would be better. I mean, I think even I thought, like, the Chargers would be kind of a better team, despite making the playoffs. But, I mean, with, with, with Derek Carr this year, they really – yeah, they really just didn't get it done, obviously. I, if I were the Raiders, I kind of would have treated Carr better at the end. I mean, he's he's been good to the franchise, pretty loyal. And you, you go out there and you bench him for, for Jared Stidham. Personally, I wasn't a fan of that. I think he, I don't know, unless it was like Derek Carr's choice to to not play, which I don't think that was the case. Like, I don't think he deserved to be benched the last few mm-hmm. games of the year for a guy who kind of like a journeyman guy has been on the Patriots. Just like he's definitely not going to be your starting quarterback. Like, there's zero percent chance. Like, I don't even know if he'll be on the roster. Maybe he's backup, but I, I don't really blame. I mean, Carr. Yeah, I don't. I don't blame them for for getting rid of him. Like, I just don't. I don't think they treated him well. Clearly, their ceiling with Derek Carr is not what they what they want it to be. And I think at this stage, when you have a guy like Devonta Adams, like you don't want to waste another potential year. I mean, obviously, sometimes it takes time, but I don't know. Like, is it more likely for for them to finally break out and be a Super Bowl type team, or have another year of being mid? Or and not make the playoffs. Like I'd say that's more likely. So for now, I think you got to try to steer in a, in another direction because I think yeah, with Carr, it's just not going to work out, unfortunately. But yeah, I think Carr can still be a good quarterback in this league and help out other teams be competitive and be playoff teams. Yeah, and listen, before we get to some of those teams, look, I understand that Carr maybe took a step back in twenty twenty two, especially in twenty twenty, he was real good in twenty twenty one too with all the coaching changes and all the adversity around the Las Vegas Raiders. The fact that he was able to get them to the playoffs last year was just awesome and really a testament to the type of player he is. But yeah, maybe his best days, I guess, are a little behind him, but he's still going to give you good football if you ask me. And some team is going to get lucky to get him. Now, I don't necessarily know what the market holds for Derek Carr. There's going to be a lot of teams. One of the most obvious links that have been talked about is the New Orleans Saints. Dennis Allen, the former head coach as well, had actually Derek Carr when he was with the Raiders. I believe Allen was there for Carr's rookie year, I want to say. If I'm mistaken, like I said, but I'm, I'm almost positive it was his rookie year there. So the Saints have been a pretty reasonable spot, too, because, I mean, their quarterback situation is up in the air. The New York Jets, should they miss out on Aaron Rodgers' core, I think Derek Carr would probably be your next best option. Washington, I think, is also a possible spot. Core, I also thought I won, maybe that's not getting talked about a lot. The Atlanta Falcons, I think, could possibly be. 
a nice little get, even if they wanted to see, like if they wanted to go quarterback maybe in the draft, I mean, they're picking within the top 10, maybe Carr for a year. But if not, I mean, that was an offense that ran pretty efficiently and they run the ball really well. So bringing a guy like Carr maybe can help them. I, I can't see him going to Indianapolis. Obviously, they kind of look like they pumped it off that journeyman idea. And like Carolina too, hiring Frank Reich, like Reich has been the one in in Indianapolis has been dealing with all those one-year quarterback stopgaps. Like, unless they're going to pay Carr and commit to him for more than one year, I can't see Reich wanting that again. I think he's going to want to go young. So, yeah, I mean, between the Jets, Washington, the Saints, and I guess the Falcons, maybe a longer shot. Like, what's your favorite spot personally for Derek Carr, do you think, to, to get him to back to playing like elite football? But before we, we get to that, do you think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are – like a terrible suit for, for Carr? Core, I just gave you four teams, and I actually think you gave me the best fit for Derek Carr and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, yeah, Tampa Bay, I completely went over my head, but Tampa Bay will 100% be a contender for Carr, and I could 100% see it. And I think out of some of the teams I've listed, Tampa Bay's got the best weapons. Now, Tampa Bay doesn't maybe have an op- – they don't have an offensive coordinator right now, so maybe that's a little bit up in the air. And, like, maybe they're getting out of their Super Bowl window. But I don't see why Derek Carr couldn't play good football in Tampa Bay. Yeah, Tampa Bay will definitely be on this list. I'm ashamed that I didn't mention Tampa Bay as well. I know you're good. But if I were going to look at this list, like, I- honestly, I don't think he's going to go to Atlanta. I just don't think Atlanta is going to bring in a guy like Carr who's kind of – at this stage, I kind of call him, like, maybe a little above average. Um, Washington, I don't really see it. I mean, honestly, I think it's either the Saints, the Jets, or if if Tampa was willing to just bring in a guy and be like pretty competitive instead of like maybe drafting someone, I, I would like Tampa. But honestly, I don't know. I've seen him link to the to the Saints a lot, but I, I don't know. I personally do not think Aaron Rodgers is going to be. A New York Jet. So, personally, I think Derek Carr, I mean, he's going to be a free agent now. So, like, what? Like, he doesn't have to – like, he could just choose where he wants? Or is there, like, that – is that waiver order real, like, in the actual NFL? What's What, what about that? He's just going to be a free agent now. Like, I remember, like – Yeah, because yeah, he's not going to get, get claimed or that. Yeah, he's going to be a free agent. And I, the, the thing is, like I said, because he has – because he's technically – released like like he doesn't have to wait for the new year but the problem too is like you mentioned the jets like the jets aren't going to want to go sign on car if they know the idea of rogers is out there right so like you almost have to see like this is a potential waiting game and like roger said what that he's going into his like darkness retreat i think today might have been day one and that's going to give him some clarity i think it's like a four-day darkness retreat or something like that so to be fair like the clock is kind of ticking on aaron Rodgers as well but, like, maybe a team that thinks that they're not in on Rodgers, which would be, like, a New Orleans would move swiftly to go get Carr, whereas teams like – because, like, you know what I mean? Like, if Ta- like Tampa Bay and the Jets are probably both going to be in on Rodgers, you would think. So, like, if New Orleans could steal Carr early, then if whichever one of those guys, the Jets and Tampa Bay, misses out on Rodgers, then, like, they're in trouble at quarterback. So mm-hmm. – I, I don't know. I think that Carr's got some leverage here for sure, and I'm I'm excited to see what happens. I think if I like, I think if he goes to the Jets, I think there could be for sure a playoff team. I think if I were him, who would I rather want to go to? The Jets or the Saints? Probably the Jets, but I don't think the Saints is a bad option at all. And I think 
I don't I don't know, Jets or Bucks, like where would I rather go? I'm not too sure. Maybe the Bucks because the, that division is really easy. But I mean, you look at Carr, Carr walking into the NFC South is going to be the best quarterback in that division. Unless he also like unless he were to go to the Saints and then Rodgers goes to the Bucks. Like I, I really don't see a quarterback there that Carr is like that's going to be better than Carr that realistically would get into that division. So I also want to ask you this, Core. Carr being a free agent, there's a couple other free agent quarterbacks out there, specifically one being Daniel Jones. Who would you pay more money to this offseason, Derek Carr or Daniel Jones? Oh, I mean, honestly, I, I think I, I'm paying Daniel Jones more money. I mean, he took them to the playoffs. Carr coming off a pretty mid, not really great season. Derek Carr obviously is a bigger name, but, I mean, at this stage in their career, I don't know. Personally, like, when you said those two, it kind of just jumped off my mind. Like, I would pay Daniel Jones more money, honestly. All right, listen, I'm in complete agreement. I actually think if they were the same age, I would still do it. But given Jones's upside, too, I would definitely pay Jones more money. I got two more for you. Jimmy Garoppolo being a free agent, who would you pay more money and who would you rather have as your quarterback? I mean, you're the Jets right now. Would you rather have Carl or Garoppolo? I probably – if I'm the Jets – I want Jimmy G because I think Jimmy G's a guy. I mean, he's just been a winner. I just think with the Jets roster, the way it's built, I think Jimmy G could be a guy who will will just like get them to be a sure. I think with Jimmy G, they're a sure playoff team. Honestly, I just think Jimmy G's a guy who think like he's. I think he's better than a game manager. Obviously, he's not gonna like do anything spectacular. But like I think a guy like Carr would be better suited in my opinion, for for like the Saints than than Jimmy G. Because I, I just think the Jets have a better roster than than the Saints, honestly. So I think with like a better roster, I mean kind of doesn't make I just think like Carr, you, you could get a lower floor with Carr. So if I'm the Jets, I I would rather Jimmy G. Yeah, you put the, you put that a good way because if you ask me in a vacuum who would I have as my quarterback this year, I'd probably slightly lean Carr, but for hundred percent for the Jets side of things and what they had, I would rather Garoppolo. Like the Texans, let's just say, I would much rather them Garoppolo, go Garoppolo than go um, Derek Carr. It's interesting because Garoppolo linked a lot to the Raiders because of the McDaniels connection, but like how much better do the Raiders think they're going to be with Garoppolo than Carr? Who knows? My last one for that I will give you, Geno Smith or Derek Carr, who, who should get a bigger contract in the offseason and who will get a bigger contract this offseason. I love I love Geno Smith, but I mean one season. I'm sorry, I'm giving I'm giving the bigger contract to Derek Carr. I mean, obviously he's comeback player of the year, Geno, but I need to see Geno do it again. Obviously, prove like he could be a really good quarterback, but the longevity is just clearly not there. I mean, this guy has been a journeyman for a pretty long time. He's no youngster either. I I think he's a great story. I love the guy's quotes. I love his sayings, but. I mean, after one season, I'm not ready to, like, fully pull the trigger on giving Geno Smith the bag. So I would give Derek Carr a bigger contract and would rather him. Yeah, I, I also would, too. I, I'm i curious to see who will get more money. I think Carr will slightly because Carr's turning down about, I think it's like 3-120 is what he was under contract with the Raiders, which obviously they're releasing to get out of. The franchise tag is about thirty-two million. That's what it's been rumored that Gino might get might get franchise tag. 
So you're telling me if they think Gino's getting a franchise tag, like I think Carr then is definitely worth $30 million if you're going to give Gino that. So it'll be interesting to see. I think Carr still has some good football in front of him. He's not a perfect quarterback, but he's definitely a quarterback that you could win with. And with that being said, Core, anything else that you want to add about some league news that we've seen and that we haven't really touched on? Because it might be a week or two before we get back. Like you said, I'm, I'm sure we'll definitely be monitoring the quarterback market with Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers and their potential free agency decisions looming. But, yeah, anything else you want to add? I think right now for, for quarterbacks kind of touched, I mean, Jimmy G, I think, is kind of in that – is that third quarterback just because – I don't know. I mean, I think like teams kind of. I think Carr's just. I don't know. He's just, he's just more of like a boom, a boom type quarterback than Jimmy G. But I mean, Jimmy G, obviously, is a quarterback. Other teams are gonna are gonna want to look at like every team that we mentioned. I mean, G, Jimmy G on the Bucks. I could see. Also, I mean, obviously, their full roster is not as great. But like, yeah, I think Jimmy G still gets like. Still gets some love from from me at least as a quarterback on this market who could help teams be could be good. Yeah, I think Jimmy G. There is some good football in front. I think there's a couple of really good quarterbacks that teams in a league obviously dominated by the quarterback position will be able to plug in and they'll be able to get some good football out of them. But like I said, in the next month, hopefully we get some clarity at those spots. With that being said, the 2022-2023 season has officially closed. Congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs on winning Super Bowl 57, and we can't wait for next season. That's going to do it. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.